Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. So we'll be in Romans chapter 6 today, and we're going to talk about the power of the gospel. Uh, Just a a fitting topic for a, a Resurrection Sunday as we look at what God has accomplished for us. Um, we've been around um, John chapter 15 and 16, 17, the last few weeks, just looking at um, what it is to have this relationship where we're encountering God, where we're connecting with our, our Lord and, and Savior. And this um, week has been all about um, really seeing what God accomplishes through the cross. And today as we look at the message, I believe that, that this is a message for every person in here. Whether you are a believer or whether you're just here today, um, because it's Easter Sunday and, and, and we want you to connect with God's Word, uh, I believe that, that there's something here for us to be reminded of, of the power of the gospel, of what is transforming lives. It's the reason that we're gathered here today. It's the reason that we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, because of what God is doing. It's not about us and and, and what we have done, but it's about what God is accomplishing in our hearts and through our lives. And that's what Paul writes about in Romans 6. I love springtime. I love uh, the Easter Sunday and the bright colors. This is my, this is my Easter Sunday suit. Uh, so you can see it once a year. And I've got my flower tie. And, and, and you know, I, I don't normally dress like this, but I, I love the bright colors. I love springtime in Arkansas. We've been in Oklahoma for almost 10 years, and, and it's springtime in Oklahoma is kind of a, a time where there's some tension because it's not about the beauty and the regrowth and the green and the flowers and, and all that's going on. You're kind of just watching the weather, right? As you know, like in Oklahoma, you don't start a building project from March to May because it may not be there by the end of the project. And so um, there's, there's this, uh, you don't focus in on that, but what the springtime reminds us is that God is renewing. It's a visual in creation to see that God is taking what has, has died throughout the winter, what, what, what is dreary and gray, and is making it new and bringing life. And that's what he does in the lives of the believer. And in Romans chapter 6, Paul is teaching. He's been talking about in the first couple of chapters about sin and brokenness. He's been talking about what, what the problem is and, and the things that, that we have in our lives the struggle that we have. And then in, in, in the next few chapters, before we get to chapter 6 through 8, he's talking about what Christ has done um, to be the solution to the problem, that, that he gave his life, that through him and him alone is their salvation and there is a remedy to this problem of sin. And in chapter 6, Paul explains a little more about how that applies to you and I how that applies to one who trusts in Jesus, and how we live that out. It's about uh, the justification turns into the sanctification, us living our lives in Christ. And so today we're going to see this from this passage of Scripture. Starting in verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make, to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's pray. Father, let your word just speak to our hearts today. Lord, as, as we're here for you, I just pray that, that it's, it's your word and your work that moves us. Lord, help us see ourselves in these scriptures and help us see the application of, of what you have accomplished. Lord, I just pray that, that your spirit uh, just be alive and moving in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. The first thing we're going to see from this passage of Scripture, there's three things, or there's really just two things, and, and a couple of sub-points in this, is that the power of the gospel, the first thing he talks about is the power of the cross. He, he, he walks us through in the first eight verses of what the cross has accomplished for us. See, we, we already said this, but the first few chapters of Romans is really dealing with the sinfulness of man, the brokenness that we see in this world, how we are born into sin. But in chapter 5, it talks about how we are born into Adam. Our connection is from Adam, the first man, and because of our connection with him, we are in sin. But it transitions in chapter 5, and it talks about how there's a better Adam, a, a, a Savior in Jesus Christ, a new connection that we identify our lives with. No longer are we just identified with sin and brokenness in the first Adam, but now this new Adam, a better Adam, is, is Jesus Christ. And we identify our lives with him as the Lord and Savior, as the one who sacrificed. In chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, that being the first Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in, in life through the one man, Jesus. Verse 19, for us, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, that many will be made righteous. Now the law came into increase for sin, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul talks about that justification. He said one man's disobedience spread disobedience and brokenness and sin to all of mankind. That's where we find ourselves, born in sin. That's the place that we, we are all at. We are all lost in our sins. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you've been in this church for 60 years. 
or, or if you are here for the very first time today, you were born a sinner. It doesn't matter if you're teaching a Sunday school class or you're preaching the sermon, you were born a sinner. That is who we are. But he says, in Christ, there's been made a way for that sin to be forgiven. There's been made a way for that, that to be washed away and for, the, for life, eternal life in Christ Jesus to come. So he says this, because of that verse in 20, he says, the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded even more. People use that verse sometimes to say, well, I could just keep on sinning so that God's grace can be displayed in my life. Isn't that kind of an insane way to think about it? it the Bible says in 520, well, if sin's there, then grace is even greater than sin. So some people's mentality have actually been, their response to that is to say, well, I'll just keep living in sin so that I can experience God's grace even more. And what Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 6 is, that is crazy. Like, why would you think that you can just continue in sin so that God's grace could be greater? And you think that that's the purpose of his grace. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. By no means, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So his response to this is, this is not what the purpose of the gospel was. The purpose of the gospel is not this, um, this get out of jail free card. It's, it's just like this in life. You don't get married so that you can continue dating and see if you can find a suitable mate, right? You don't go get married and then go back to to continue dating and seeing, and then your marriage is just the backup plan. That's crazy. That's not what marriage is about. We don't say, well, I'm going to get married, and then I'm just going to check on and just make sure if there's something better out there for me. Um, that's not the commitment you make. The commitment you make is to love someone for, for, for all of your lives. It's, it's that you see this person and you desire the relationship that is to last but that's what people are doing with the gospel. They're saying, I want Jesus so that I don't have to worry about uh, my eternity. I don't have to worry about hell. But it's not going to affect what I'm doing with my life. I'm just going to continue to do the things I want to do. I'm going to continue to live any way I want to live. And, and eventually it's going to catch up with you. And Paul says, that's not, what we, or that's not how we respond to God's grace. God's grace is meant for us to come to him. God's grace is meant for us to, to, to be a, a, a new life given to us, to, to be what it says in verse 3. Do you not know that all of you have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We were baptized in his death, and we were buried, therefore, by him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might, too, walk in the newness of life. He says, just as Christ was put to death, he said, your life is being put to death in Christ. It's not so that you can continue to living a dead life, so that you can walk in the newness of life. That's what the gospel is accomplishing. It's kind of funny to think that Paul has to, to say that to people, but, but we all have that mentality um, that we see this in this world. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to get a credit card, and I'm going to go spend my limit. And then when I get to my limit, I'm just going to keep spending. I'm going to call and ask them to increase the limit. And I'm going to keep spending it until I get to my limit. And then when I get there, I'm just going to call and increase my limit. I'm never going to pay it back. If you do that, eventually they're going to come after you, right? Destruction. There's going to be problems. It's almost like we think 
when we run out of money, we can just print more and everything's going to be okay, right? Like that's, that's our society, that's our mindset that we think that, that that's going to solve the problem. And we're not dealing with the problem. The problem is sin, but the solution is Jesus Christ and what he accomplishes on the cross. The Bible tells us we identify our lives with him. That is in him that we are connected. All through this, this first eight verses, he, he speaks of this. But in verses 7 and 8, it says this, For when one who has died has been set free from sin, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. He said, if we've, been di- if we've died with Christ, we've been set free. Actually, verse 6, if you back up, says, We know that the old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That this is the work of Christ, that he is bringing sin to nothing. That, that we are being set free. We are no longer enslaved in our old sinful selves. But we've been given freedom in Christ Jesus to walk in a new life. Dietrich Bonhoeff, uh, a, a pastor and, and, and a missionary and, and a spy who, who gave his life for discipleship, he said this of the cross. He said, such a salvation is costly because it calls us to follow. And it is grace because it causes us to follow Jesus. It is costly because it costs a man his life. And it is grace because it gives man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin. And it is grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it costs God the life of his son. You were bought with a price. What has cost God cannot be cheap to man. Above all, His grace, because God did not reckon His Son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered Him up for us. What a beautiful statement of, of the, the cost and the, of, of what the gospel did, that it is not cheap, that, that it cost God His Son, that the understanding He had that, that this act, this act of, of death, is something to be celebrated. But it was at great cost to God, but it was for our good. That's God's grace at work. I got to talk to my kids this week about Good Friday. <clears throat> and they didn't really understand why we call it Good Friday, because how would uh, we, we see the death of Jesus as, as, as something to call good? And the reality of it is it, it absolutely is Good Friday, not because Jesus had to go through the brutality of sin, but because he was accomplishing something good for us. That's what we got to remind my kids of, that, that Jesus was doing something good for all of mankind. That's why we call it Good Friday, because of his death. He was purchasing uh, our way of freedom from sin. He was, he was paying the debt that we owed for our sin. Jesus has accomplishes these things with his life. He gives us a, a picture of what this looks like in verses 3 and 4 of baptism. So do you not know that all of you who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You were buried, therefore, with him in baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk in the newness of life. 
He, he said that's the picture of baptism. When we fill up the, the baptistry and when we put someone under there, it's not that we're holding them under to, so that the sin comes out, right? It's, it's that, that we're, we're symbolically showing that they've been buried with Christ. But greater than that is that, that we're raising them up out of the grave, out of this water, because they're symbolically identifying their life with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And here it says, and so that we can walk in the newness of life. Someone once said, our baptism painlessly acts out the union that Christ painfully made for us. I'm so thankful for the power of the cross today that because of our brokenness and our sin, that, that Jesus could, could accomplish something that we could not do on our own. That the power of the cross is that, that we have freedom from sin, that we have been forgiven, and that we have the opportunity to, to this chance to live a new life. And that's what we see in the rest of the passage. In, in the rest of the verses is that, that the power of the resurrection, this, the, that the cross happened first and it was good and it was accomplishing things for us. But the resurrection is where we identify with this new life in Christ. The power of the resurrection, it gives life. Look at verses 4, 5, 8, and 11. 4, we just read, it, it talks about that we're raised. Um, it says, we're buried, therefore, with death and baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we'll certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We don't just stay focusing on the grave. We don't just stay focusing on the death. What we are celebrating today on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday, is that death did not conquer Jesus. That sin did not overcome him. That, that, that he arose and if you read the story of, of all that happened after that this, the celebrating of, of Jesus uh, being brought back from death to life it says here by the glory of the Father our lives are identified with the resurrection of Jesus and we celebrate that today verse 8 says now if we have died with Christ we believe that we will also live with him verse 11 says so you also must consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are no longer what we once were. We are no longer uh, our old selves. That's why it doesn't make sense to continue to live as sinners. That's why it doesn't make sense to say, uh, I want Jesus, but just enough Jesus so that I can do whatever I want with my life. No, he says, you identify with his death, and that frees you from the bondage of sin. But even greater than that, you identify with his resurrection, which gives you new life. If you are saved here today, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old passes away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus is at work making you a new creation. You sit here today as a new creation in Christ Jesus because of his salvation. Our old identity dies. Sin dies. Our slavery to sin dies. The power and the lordship of sin is destroyed. We are free from the obligation. We are free from the addiction. We are free from the necessity of sin. It no longer has rule in our life. And we have this new identity. We have a new master, a new life, a new fellowship with God, a new union with Christ. We have been set free 
to serve and to live for the glory of God. Sharing in Christ's resurrection begins at the moment of salvation. And it's something that we continually walk in. This newness of life is, is that God, for the very first time, breathes life into you. Right? Because the Bible before that says we were dead in our sins. And what does dead mean? It means dead. It means there's no life there. I was watching a show this week. And, and in the show, there was this, this girl was carrying around this plant. And her coworkers were like, what are you doing with this plant? It's, it's dead. It's brown. It's, it's like dry and crispy. And, and they're like, why do you have this plant? And she said, but maybe it's just dormant. I just think that we can bring this thing back to life. And, and every person that sees it is like, no, this thing is dead. You need to throw that away. The only thing you're carrying around is a pile of trash. And so she finally gets to this one person and says, well, I've got a friend who's a botanist. And they can tell us everything about that plant. And so if there's ever a chance that we can bring this plant back, it'll be what he tells us. So this person takes a picture of it and sends it to her friend. And the friend gets back. And they said, I know this plant. I know all the things that, that this plant needs to survive and live and thrive. He said, but there's one problem with this plant. This plant is dead. There's nothing we can do. There's no life in it. We can't cultivate new life. And so she's just devastated because finally someone who, with some authority says that this plant is not coming back to life. That's the description of the soul of a sinner is that you can't accomplish these things on your own because we are dead, we are dead in our sin, and we are lost. And the only thing that can change that is what Jesus Christ does in the cross. What Jesus Christ is accomplishing in the cross, the burial, and the resurrection is newness of life. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are in new life in him. We didn't accomplish this on our own. We accomplished it because of our identity being connected with Christ. The last thing we see here is that, that the power of the resurrection is to, is to give life. But the power is, of the resurrection is to give a new way of living. It, it, it's that this new life is also accomplishing something throughout your life. It's not just there's a new way of life for a moment. It's that the, he gives us a new way of living, a new perspective, a new mindset, a new direction. We have a new purpose. We have new gifts. We have a new spirit with the Holy Spirit of God living within us. Colossians 3 says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above which is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of earth. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him. He said your life is now connected with Christ. And because Christ's life appears because of his resurrection on, on that Easter morning that we celebrate, even though we don't know the exact timing of it, but we celebrate what Christ has done and that victory over sin and death was accomplished and God raised him from the dead and it brings a new way of living. We're not supposed to be just like we once were. We're not to, to be the same person. We're to continue to walk in the newness of life, 
that it's to, to move us from something so that we don't just stay where we once were, but we are accomplishing good works for God, that we are, we are living for him. Listen to what the last few verses says. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought or brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. He says there that we're not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies. We're not to let it continue. One one writer says this of this passage. He said, if we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or did you not realize that you packed up and left there for good? I, I love that, that, that way that he, he describes those verses. He said, if, he, if you were in a country, in a place where sin was all you knew, he said, didn't you know that once God saved you, you've moved from there, you've packed up, and why are you trying to continue to live in that place? You no longer belong to that. So we don't let sin rule and reign in our bodies. He says, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. We're not to continue to to let our members, he's talking about our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears, our, ourselves, be things that are, are dedicated and, and, and used for sinfulness. But he says, instead, present them to Christ. Present them for righteousness. But you've been bought with a price, and your members uh, present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That word instruments there means a, a tool or a weapon, it carries this idea that, that you're going to fight for this, that, that you're going to accomplish something, that, that you're going to work towards these things. He said, you're going to present yourselves as members for righteousness so that you're doing a work for God. A, a weapon in the hand of a warrior has a task to do, a, a mission to accomplish, and he goes and he does it. Someone who, who knows how to use the tool the right way can, can take that and do amazing work with it. And that's what he's saying. He's saying because of the new life you've been given, you don't stay connected to your old self. You live life differently. You press forward. It goes back to what Paul was, was saying in the very beginning, that we don't just keep living in our sins so that grace may abound more. No, what grace has given you is the opportunity that when you do fall down and you do mess up, and you will because we're all sinners, that what grace does is it comes in and it picks you up and it presses you forward. It gives you the ability to keep going, to keep walking towards what God has for you, to keep living out the purpose he's created you for, to, to continue to deepen your relationship with him, to continue to walk in righteousness. That's what God wants for us. Not that we would stay where we were, but that we would live our lives for the honor and glory, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. That's the way he wraps up the whole passage. That's the victory we celebrate today, is that, that sin is not holding us back. That we get to celebrate and identify our lives with Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished. Margaret, as you come. Today, we, we, I want our focus and our heart and our mind to be so saturated with with just an understanding of what God has done because it changes everything for you.
It changes everything for anyone who will surrender to that. Uh, Don't use this as an insurance policy. Find where Scripture says you are a sinner and there's brokenness and that's hard to hear. But the grace of God comes in at that moment. And as we surrender our lives to Him, that's when life change begins to happen. That's what salvation is, is that I'm identifying my life with Christ. I know that my sin put Him there. I know that, that it, was, it was me and, and the choices I make and the sins that I do daily that Jesus had to go to the cross. And Jesus willingly gave his life. The Bible says he laid it down. He didn't say it was taken from him. He said he laid it down. And what God does with that is he, he sees that sacrifice. And he lets that be the payment of your sin. And he resurrected Jesus by the glory of the Father so that we can have the opportunity to live new lives. That you can have an opportunity to live a life connected with the Creator God who who makes all things new. Go outside and see the beauty of His creation. He makes all things new. And He wants to make you new. He wants that to be your heart. So today, the invitation is for those who don't know Christ to come to Him. Identify your life with Him. And for those who do know Him, it's just to be reminded of the beauty of the gospel and worship Him. Recommit to live your life for Him. Desire His Word and desire a deeper, growing relationship with Him. Desire to to be more on mission for Him, to share His love with others. Why? Because he's accomplished so that we can have a new way of living, so that we can be instruments of righteousness, so that we can be warriors for God's kingdom, that we can accomplish the things he has created us for. Let's let the gospel be active and real in our lives today. Let's pray together. God, we're so thankful for Jesus. Thankful that you looked into this world and... and, and You see the brokenness. You saw our our rebellious hearts. You saw our desire to to do things our way. And Lord, you made a way to to be forgiven. God, I pray that today, right now, where if someone needs to surrender to that today, God, they wouldn't surrender in my words, but Lord, they would just surrender to the understanding of your gospel that what Jesus Christ did on the cross is for them. God, help us as as those who who have believed in you and put our faith in you, Lord, to be more faithful in our walk. Lord, that, that we would take that calling to know that we've been given an opportunity, a new life. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you just... Um, just speak that into our hearts. Just remind us of those things through your word. God, we love you and we thank you for all you do. We pray this in Jesus' name.